This broadcast is part of the IC Robots Radio Network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long. Countdown for blast off. Welcome to the Toys R Us Report, recorded live on Jupiter's third largest moon, Callisto. He's been digging in the crates before he was living in space, before the rat race, before monkeys had human traits. He's your host, Icy Robots. Greetings, Earth people. I am from Jupiter. It is me again, Icy Robots. I'm not a hero, but I do sacrifice a bit of my week each and every week to make your week a bit less week. It's going to get a lot less week this week. We're going to we're going to talk about some movies. We're going to talk about some fun stuff. Probably get some toy talk in there. I am going to talk about one of our favorite topics that I do not hit upon enough. It is it is a topic known as Tales from the Dig. It's fun over at that weird and wacky place and we're going to spend a few minutes talking about it. But uh come on, let's hit it. You are listening to the Toys R Us report. Whether you like it or don't like it, learn to love it because it's the best thing going today. You know, my dudes, I am, I'm starting to get into this cassette thing a bit more, a bit more than I thought. I don't know, man. I, I have a Sony Sports Walkman over by the, over by the stereo system that I plug into an aux cord, the same one that I use, uh, for my phone when I'm, you know, playing stuff through the house and, I really started to enjoy playing cassettes over there. It started off with with De La Soul, Three Feet High and Rising. I played that a few times and I liked it. And then I dug out I dug out a Run DMC tape, Tougher Than Leather, and I enjoyed that. Then I played License to Ill and I enjoyed that. It was very important to to only pick things that were deaf all the way through. You know, this time we need like the five mic classics that are gonna they're gonna hit from one end to the other because I don't want to get up and fast forward. That's that's the side of tapes that you uh, maybe forget or maybe you don't forget. Maybe you remember it and that's why you listen to uh, MP3s or CDs or whatever. But I'm only picking five mic classics, and I found a five mic classic in a place that I did not expect. It is. It is a cassette that I had in the garage. I just, I buy them all the time when I see them. The idea of like a cool cassette getting tossed out of the dig just breaks my heart. So when I, I see them, sometimes I'll just pull them out without really like having a, without having like a good use for them. And this is one that I did, that I did pull out, you know, just, just for no reason. It is the Airplane, the 1980 Airplane movie soundtrack. Now, I don't know when the last time you saw Airplane was. It's been a while for me, and while I will admit that this movie is a five mic classic, it is one of one of the funniest movie of all the times, and I loved it so much when I was younger, but I haven't seen it in quite a while, and the memory of how actually funny it was had sort of faded from my mind, but the but the soundtrack to the movie, I have it right here. It only has 
It only has a couple songs. It has the theme from Jaws, Staying Alive, Everything's Coming Up Roses, River of Jordan, the Notre Dame Victory March, and the Love Theme. That's all as far as music, but the entire thing is tied together with clips from the movie, uh, classic gems like this. Ever been in a cockpit before? Have you ever seen a grown man naked, Joey? Did you ever hang around the gymnasium? More or less, I'm not going to say they tell the whole story of the movie, but they kind of go through the timeline of the movie, and they do that by using jokes from the flick. And when you combine that together with the songs, which aren't, aren't the actual song. It's not the real theme from Jaws. This is one that was cooked up by uh, Hall of Fame musician Elmer Bernstein. And... While it's, like, exactly the same, it's different with, like, sometimes different instrumentation. This is a super fun tape. When I went and looked it up on eBay when I was going through some of my stuff, I discovered that the soundtrack is out of print. I imagine that you can find it out there if you really want. Maybe on YouTube, people put playlists together or whatever. Maybe you even have it. Maybe you're smart enough and you picked it up, but... This is a really great one. I would recommend hopping on over to hopping on over to the YouTube and seeing if somebody's put this together as one long thing because it made for like a pretty good like 30 40 minutes of listening and it reintroduced me to the movie. I knew that it was great and I knew that it was funny and I remembered it was funny, but the actuality of how funny it was was lost on me and I went and I purchased myself a copy, and we are soon going to have a screening of Airport in the House. It's going to be great. The movie the movie is really short. It's like an hour and 20 minutes, which is perfect for any attention span. And they throw so many jokes out there that this one, this one is sure to please even the most jaded teenage heart. So we're all going to sit down and watch that, and that's going to be fun. Sure, there, there are a couple, like, racy parts, but it's all good, man, because it's just... It's just jokes, you know, nothing nothing wrong with some light-hearted humor. Maybe this will be the kind of thing that will help her young millennial mind snap out of the uh, thought patterns that she's in. Maybe some of these offensive yet kind-hearted and friendly jokes will allow her to expand her mind. I don't know. Who cares? I, I like uh, soundtracks. I don't really, like, always listen to them, but I do... I do dig the soundtrack cassettes that I have. I have uh, the Warriors. The Warriors, the the Walter Hill Warriors about, you know, gangs and all that kind of stuff. That was, is one of my favorite movies. As a matter of fact, we have a movie poster for it right in the, right in the middle of the living room. I, I picked that up at the flea market. It's original. I love it. It's great. We went and got a frame, had it, had it hung up, and that's cool, and I'm happy to have the soundtrack as well. I like how, I like how cassettes are rectangles, so when you get a, when you get a movie soundtrack cassette, it'll have the poster on it, and it's the same shape, just like in a, just like in a much smaller version. I also want to get the Escape from New York cassette. I think that it would be kind of neat to get that, because like I just said, it's like the poster, on the cover, and then get my, uh, Snake Plissken reaction, and stand him right in front of it, I think that would be kind of like a neat little way to display those two things, but I don't know, man, I'm looking for a lot of the Source 4.5 and 5 mic classics, I want to get KRS-One Return to the Boom Bap, that's one of my, one of my favorite tapes, I think it's super solid all the way through, and I still have, have the cassette, but I cannot find the tape anywhere, and it's, 
really getting on my last nerve. I, I wish I would have taken better care of my collection back in the day. If I did, I wouldn't be going through this right now. I would instead be just like going and grabbing tapes and playing them and having a good time instead of having to like search around in the garage or poke around on eBay. But it's, you know, this is the thrill of the hunt. I purchased myself a copy of uh, Public Enemy It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. That's one of... That's one of their better ones. They had, in my opinion, and I, I kind of fell off listening to them at a certain point, but their first three, Yo Bum Rush the Show, Take the Nation a Million, and Fear of a Black Planet are all like 4.5 or 5 mic tapes. And they they stand the test of time. Public Enemy had like this super noisy style. And it really does stand the test of time. Some of the stuff they were doing was pretty complex. They are... They're definitely one of my favorites, and I still, like, revere them even now, so there you have it. I've actually been spending money on cassettes, so I think that at this point, I'm drifting into just being a uh, hopeless nostalgia zombie, so what can you do, though? You know, you just gotta accept yourself for who you are, and love yourself for who you are, and not really fret too much about uh, things you like to spend your hard-earned money on. What can I do, man? I'm hooked. So let's uh, let's move into the next segment of the show, which is known as At the Movies, where we are going to be taking a look at a movie known as The Mummy. The Mummy. In a moment, at the movies, without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper. But you got Icy Robot, so that's something, right? You are alive because of what you brought on that plane. Who are you? Welcome to Prodigium. We recognize and destroy evil. But this is unlike anything we've seen before. You have no idea what you have unleashed. All right, my dudes, I am back from... I'm back from The Mummy, which is the beginning of the new Universal Monsterverse, which they are they are calling the Dark Universe. And, well, I am going to have to say that they got off on a bit of a misstep. This was, this was not the greatest movie of all the times, but at the same time, it was not... It was not the worst movie of all the times either. There were there were definitely parts that I enjoyed, but then there were parts that I didn't enjoy. Let's let's hope in the future they they really hit on the formula to get this universal monster verse going. I'm not I'm not the biggest universal monster dude out there. My favorite one is the creature from the Black Lagoon, I, I think he's a great design, and I like the idea of having a monster that lives in a lake. We we happen to live by the ocean, but not everybody else does, but everybody lives near a lake, and the idea of a lake monster is super scary. Let's, let's get into the pertinence of The Mummy first. The Mummy stars Tom Cruise and Russell Crowe, as well as... As well as Sophia Batella, who you might remember from, she was in the last Star Trek movie, and she was in, she was in The Kingsman. She plays the girl with, with razors for feet. I think that, 
think that Sofia Batella is a movie star of the future. I mean, look, obviously she's hot, but she also has like a really interesting look to her. She's completely unique in her appearance and the just they can take the way she looks and make her like an alien or like a monster so easy. And that's not to say that she's bad looking because she's definitely easy on the eyes, but She's very unique in her appearance and she has like an interesting weird charisma. I think that I think that she could go far, but this movie wasn't like it wasn't the best example of how good how good I think she can be. Let's see. The movie is exactly 2 hours long. It's PG-13. There's some violence, a bit of partial nudity, and as we stand, it is 17% on the tomato meter and 45% with the audience. What is, what is the basic plot? I think that I would say the plot of the movie is there is a mummy that's buried deep in the desert and Tom Cruise releases it because he's completely impetuous and once the mummy's out there, she starts to wreak havoc on the earth. And then on the other side, there's like, there's like a team of people led by Russell Crowe who are, they're in the business of capturing, cataloging, and studying these various monsters. As, as they introduce the Russell Crowe character and they go through his lab, you get a bunch of, you get a bunch of Easter eggs to future universal monster type things, which is fun. And... This honestly was the most fun part of the movie to me, going through the organization that is out there fighting these beasts and seeing the different tools they have and the different methods and just like the weird artifacts and Easter eggs that they have collected over the years of of fighting these. They're trying to, you know, plant the seeds for a future universe. And I dig it as, as I understand it, they've expanded the universe. They're going to go with like a Phantom of the Opera and like a Hunchback of Notre Dame. And I wonder if these are going to be like characters that are in movies or if these are going to be characters with their own movies. I don't know, but this movie was not the greatest movie I've ever seen. I can't, I can't recommend it to you. It, it just falters in a lot of ways. It's not, I think that the weakness of the movie does somewhat lie in the inherent weakness of of the mummy as a character. Mummies are cool, but the mummy, as far as we all know, kind of lumbers along with his arms out. And while you run and run and run and eventually tire, the mummy does not tire. He just He just follows you and eventually he gets you. And that's all okay. But in this one, you know, they expand the powers to where... Sophia Batella has like these magical gifts and that's all good. They're trying to, they're trying to make her like a good protagonist for Tom Cruise and his gal pal, but the mummy itself is just not that exciting of a character. And I think, you know, they got like a real spicy meatball to play the mummy and that did add to the fun, but it just, it just doesn't all come together in the way that they would have hoped, I think. But that doesn't mean that I won't be on board for future Universal Monsterverse movies because because I definitely will, but I'm, I'm probably not a good indicator because I'll go see anything. I'm not really overly picky. I A lot of times, I got to admit, I go see these movies so that you don't have to. I knew that this one wasn't getting the best reviews and I knew that... I knew that I wasn't itching to see it or anything, but I said, you know, to some degree, you have a responsibility and you are going to live up to that responsibility and you are, 
you are going to go and see the mummy. Let's let's get down to the Source Magazine Mike Meter ratings. The the way this goes is a one is a dud, a five is a classic. I am going to I'm going to be like halfway in between and give the mummy two point five mics. Two point five mics. You're listening to IC Robots Radio. You can help to conserve energy. The Dukes of Hazard will not be televised this evening in order that we may bring you the following special presentation. Yo, Dingleberry, you want it, you got it. More tales from the dig, a.k.a. Dig Life. Somebody uh, needs to check and see what those bleeps are. Those bloops are could be that there is a fire alarm somewhere around here that the the battery is almost at the end of its life have you, have you had that happen to you before and we one time we were moving from one place to another and we had a uh, fire alarm stashed away that we hadn't had the opportunity to to put up and its battery was starting to dwindle and it was doing that bleep that it does and we could not find it because we had the box inside of another box, inside of a chest we had that had a bunch of blankets and stuff. We packed it all together when we moved and we just never got around to doing it because the place already had them in there. And it was it was going on for the longest time and we looked and we looked. I remember I remember being under the house in the crawl space looking to see if it was possible because it just seemed seemed possible we would we had gone in the chest looking for it already and we would get in there and open the box and be like no it's not inside this box but then inside that box was another box and inside that box was where it was it was all very confusing and i remember the day that i i had found it 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 did eventually happen that i i'd had enough and i said i'm not stopping until i find this bloop and i I went around and around and around and I, I came to where it was and the, st- the feeling when I, I pulled it out was it was just majestic. There was nothing like it ever before. It was like the end of this quest that I never felt would have an end. It got to the point where the bleep was now just like part of my life and that's sad. It's sad when you come to accept something that horrible as just being part of your day-to-day existence. It's Suicide is the next step from there, but the reason we're here today is we are. We're going to talk about The Dig. The Dig is the wild and wacky place that I go all the time. It is a Goodwill outlet store. It is the last place things go before they hit the dumpster. Now, things come in from the stores, things that were at the stores that it didn't sell. People also donate directly there because it's the big, big outlet. It's a giant warehouse. So some things come in right and direct. You never know what you are going to find. There are certain items that are looking for to sell at the stores, you know, certain types of clothes, different things, and a lot of things just get rejected right out and go to the to the dig. But the thing is, a lot of the things I'm looking for are the discontinued things, the videotapes or the laser discs or the weird old toys. Just all sorts of stuff wind up there. A lot of it's garbage. You never know what you were going to find, but over the time I've gone there, I found a lot of really great things, and one of the things that makes it so interesting there, it's a very interesting place, is that the people who hang out there are 
let's just use the word interesting again and say that they are interesting in their own peculiar way and a lot of a lot of really weird things happen there. I can't I can't explain the environment I've tried. I'm going to try again here today, but it is unlike anywhere that I go. The way that it works is the things that you buy are sold by the pound. It's $1.79 per pound. This is a new deal. It used to be the clothes had a different rate and the items had a different rate, but the way it is now, it's all $1.79. And the only exception to that is if an item weighs more than 10 pounds, it's only 99 cents per pound. But I don't buy a lot of things that are that heavy, but other people do, and that is something that works out for them. Over over the years of going to the dig, and I've been going there for a long time, I am... I'm a regular. I can't help but go there. I, I just have a good time. And the the thing that they has been a consistent since I've gone there is that they change things around. They re-sort of organize all of just everything. One week you'll go in and everything will be on this side. One week you'll go in and everything will be on the other side. One week the carts are over here. The next week they're over here. It's it's in a constant state of flux, and this has been going on for I don't know how long. And for a while, the the flux was sort of unfluxed, and everything had been very similar for a very long time. I'm talking, I'm talking like a year since the last major overhaul of the dig. And just this past week, when I went in there, I discovered that they had overhauled the place all over again and the way that they had overhauled it was how it was exactly when we started going to the dig so i thought i thought that was interesting it's a kind of a weird nostalgic feeling to go in there and have it appear to be just like it was you know like 10 years ago 15 years ago or however long i've been been going there i was um i was actually over there on memorial day memorial day morning before you know we barbecue and do all that fun stuff that you're you're supposed to do i was i was down there and the the main purpose i mean in theory of the goodwill is they they help to employ people who might otherwise have difficult times finding jobs people with disabilities people with various addictions it's a good thing your donations go to allow these people to have good honest jobs that they can be proud of it's very important to have you know a purpose in life and a job and just being able to take care of yourself and the goodwill provides that for these people and that's definitely good work it also it also helps you to sort of interact with different types of people that you may not otherwise and there is this one fellow who works over at the dig the guy has been working there as long as i've been going there he he has uh you know he has his issues he's a very nice guy and i enjoy talking to him a lot he's one of my favorite dudes who works there but he has this he has this personality quirk and that quirk is that he doesn't like anything anything at all you will say to him he'll be like i don't like that that's not for me no way jose any any number of things come out of his his mouth when you say something like you could be like hey i i went to see uh went to see hamilton with my man ab silver and he'll be like no way that's not for me i hate hamilton i hate musicals i hate plays i hate going to the city i hate ab silver not that there's anything wrong with that ab silver rest in peace despite all you did to us you weren't you weren't the worst. You were close, but not not the absolute worst. So anyway, I I talked to this guy a lot. He's friendly. He'll come up and he'll spark up conversations with me. He knows that 
He knows that I like to go to the movies a lot. We'll go we'll go to the dig on Mondays a lot of times, and then afterwards we'll go and check out a movie, have some lunch, go check out a movie. We like this Hawaiian barbecue chain. I think it's a chain. I'm sure it is. It's over it's over near Target by the dig, and we we like to go there after and then go see a movie. You didn't you didn't need to know that. But if there is one of those Hawaiian barbecue places near you, go check it out. You get a pretty good plate of food for a pretty pretty good price. So Anywho, we'll go to the movies a lot afterwards, and he, he's kind of picked up on that, and a lot of times I'll see him, and he'll ask me what what movie we're going to see afterwards, and or he'll ask me, you know, what movie did I see recently, and this was right around the time we saw we saw Baywatch, and he's like, hey man, what, uh, what did you guys go check out on Sunday, and I said, oh, you know. We saw Baywatch, and then uh, and then I continued on with. I'm like, hey man, you know, uh, are you gonna do anything for for Memorial Day? And he goes, oh no, no way. He's like, I I hate Memorial Day. And I'm like, what? What did you just say? Who who hates Memorial Day? I I didn't say that to him. That's what I said in my head because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with him. But that's like one of the craziest statements I've ever heard in my life. That is almost you know treasonous. That's like something they might, you know, string up for back in the olden days. But then he continued on with a statement that was even more treasonous. This one, this one came after I said, hey, uh, are you, are you going to see Baywatch? And he goes, oh no, no way. I, I hate Baywatch. And then he said it. I couldn't believe it. He's like, and I hate The Rock. And I'm like, that's it. That's the most un-American statement ever said so you know i pulled out my flag and i whacked him with the pole i'm just kidding i didn't do anything of the sort but i was just like man i can't believe that this guy this guy truly does he truly does hate everything in all the time i've ever encountered him i've only ever heard him say that he liked two things iron city beer sparkling robust flavor that does your thirst favor when you're really ready to pour it on And another time I was digging around and I found, I found a VHS tape and it had Anne Margaret on the cover and he looked down and he's like, you know, I really like Anne Margaret. And I turned, I looked at him and I'm like, you know what? Me too, brother. And we bump fist and then an explosion occurred. And, uh, after everybody recovered from the explosion, it was, it was sort of like a Zack Snyder movie. People were like strewn in all directions, but they, they were okay once they hit the ground. And once everybody, you know, recovered from that, we, we got to talking and I was, I was talking to this one dude who hangs out there. He's cool. He's one of the, he's one of the more, I don't want to say normal types, but he's kind of like, he's like a normal dude. He's like a everyday guy, pretty cool as far as I can tell. And he, he sells stuff at the flea market a lot. Like he goes down to the Sebastopol flea market. That's the, that's the other one that we don't get to as much, but have been getting to more lately. He sells over there from every once in a while, every once in again, not like every single week. Sometimes he just goes down, but we do see him down there selling a lot. And he, he was telling me that, um, fidget spinners, you know, you know, those gimmicks that kids are like spinning around. I don't, I don't really know. I can't even honestly say that like I've ever seen anybody, anybody use one, but I don't think that in my day to day, I really like get to very many fidget spinner zones. If, 
if that's the kind of place you go to, a fidget spinner zone, that's cool, man. I'm, I'm with it. I, I don't care if you fidget spin your day away. It's not my business. But this dude was telling me that this was kind of like the week before they dropped in a big way at the flea market. Now they're everywhere. But at this time, I wasn't even really sure what one was. They were still just like at the schools, you know, like school kids knew what they were. But dude was telling me that he went to see his like his wholesaler, like he has a wholesaler of stuff down in Chinatown in San Francisco. And dude was like, you got to get these, man. These are going to be the thing. They're they're already hidden overseas, you know. So I'm, you know, you just happen to be here right now, and I'm offering you one of the one of the first boxes off the boat. So he's like, I'll check it out. I don't know what it is. I don't really get the deal with the fidget spinners, but I'll give it a shot. And he bought the box and he took it to took it to Sebastopol, and he said that as soon as he pulled it out, kids were going crazy, and he made over like three or four thousand dollars, and like a few hours just selling like fidget spinners to kids i don't i don't know man that's weird they they don't look that fun to me i do fidget a lot i i tap my foot i i goof around with things and kind of tap my fingers as well but i don't know if like spinning a disc on my finger is any less annoying than doing that it seems about the same but i don't know man whatever makes you happy dude if you got one and it uh helps you get through the day then i don't know man more more power to you i guess do you remember this one this tale from the dig this happened this happened a while back there was a dude there like this small little shrimpy kind of squink you're a squink it's a type of bug they're very common he pulled out like a pen knife and sort of like menaced me with it a bit. It was like a like a letter opener, and he was gonna like you know open me up like an envelope or something. I guess he he's a weird dude. He has these like crazy droopy eyes. He looks like he looks like that cartoon that uh that droopy dog, you know. And he's just like really weird and small, very 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 thin. I don't think that he could weigh more than like a hundred and twenty pounds. Dude is super small, and he. Never speaks. I never hear him say anything. But when he saw me that one day, he pulled out this little knife and sort of menaced me in my direction. I I had a dream about that dude the other day, which was weird. In this, he we were at the dig again, and I saw him again, and he pulled out that, that knife, that pin knife. But this time, I gave him like a shove, like a super hard shove, you know, the full power shove. And he, you know, he was knocked back. And I wonder, is that, that is an appropriate response to some dude saying that they're gonna, they're gonna open up your box, isn't it, right? Like, just stepping toward them a bit and shoving them with all of your body weight and energy. That is a defensive move, right? Pushing somebody back, especially if they have a weapon. But what's weird is, dude has popped up back at the dig again, and I see dude all the time, and I'm just thinking, if he does this again, I mean, dude is like a straight-up weirdo. Like, he seems so weird and wacky to me that it seems entirely possible that he will pull out this blade and point it at me, right? So, if he does do it, should I give him the shove? I guess I shouldn't, because I'm right here right now, like, on this universal broadcast saying that maybe I should do that so that makes it in some way premeditated in every way premeditated but let's uh it's premeditated self-defense I guess I am planning to defend myself if some dude opens my uh packaging up with a with a small pen knife but um that is an appropriate response, but at the same time, I think that you should, for the most part, be trying to take the high road and just, 
I just glide to the side. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna mess around. I don't know why I would want to put myself near some dude who carries around a small little pen knife. It's weird enough as it is, and dude has like the appearance of droopy dog. His eyes are hanging around below his chin. He looks just. He just looks so weird. I I don't like this dude at all. Um, I don't know. The dig hasn't has been like. A lot less wild and wacky as of late. It seems like, I don't know what's going on, but they've kind of reeled in a lot of the bad behavior of people. People are acting pretty chill, pretty... This is one thing that I have noticed. All right, I want to I wanna explain like how something works there. When they bring in new merchandise, what they do is they wheel out like one whole side of the store. Like all these, these large blue plastic bins with wheels. They will wheel them all out and wheel in new ones. Right, so during that period, everybody goes off to the other side of the store, and then you wait and you line up, and they they say walk, please, and everybody like walks at a very frantic pace to get over to the bins and go through them. It used to be that there was kind of a stop, so you, stopper, so the the bin didn't go all the way and hit against a wall. You could go all the way around, like you keep running laps around the bin, but now they're all the way up against a wall, so. As you move down, when you get to the end, you have to kind of find a way to, like, squinch yourself all the way back out. And it's not easy. This has definitely slowed up everybody's role in a big way. There used to be, like, a ton of running. You would be as quick as you can. You want to get around the edge and see what's on the other side. And dudes were moving fast. But now, people are doing kind of a more, like, slow, meticulous look because... Once you get down to the end, you are more or less trapped. You're not really going to get a good look at the other side. You also you also have to try to do your best to see what's coming out and make a best guess as to what what side you want to line up on. It's uh, it's becoming a very very interesting uh, system over there. They whoever designed this idea in particular has done a good job of slowing things down overall. When uh, when we were lining up the other day because they were bringing out some new merch, I was fortunate enough to be lined up directly between the between the two cannibals. I don't know if you recall the cannibals from the Tales from the Dig of the days of yore, but they are more or less exactly what they sound like. They don't literally eat people, but they look like they literally could. And that doesn't mean that they're bad dudes. I'm not disparaging them as far as their character, because I, I don't mind either of them. I think they're all right. And one of the dudes, the older of the two cannibals, has, he has a lot of wisdom, a lot of dig wisdom. And he, he hit me up with a, with a, what would you call it? A, I guess a superstition of sort that he has. He, and a lot of the dudes who do the dig stuff, they love to go through pockets. They go through the pockets of like every jacket they see, especially zippery pockets every pocket they see you run it you run that pocket and they say they do from time to time like find money and stuff and i don't know i don't like to look at the clothes of the dig i just like to look at the merch because i'm looking for toys and vhs tape and things like that that people don't think anybody wants anymore i do get some clothes from there i got some sweaters i've gotten a few sweaters but i don't i don't like picking through it too much it's not really it's not my bag you know it's not it's not my scene but as we're standing there, he starts telling me that he goes through every pocket. And he's like, I have found money. I have found gold. I have found weed. I have found pills. I found a jar of liquid LSD. I have found everything you can think of in the pocket. And if on a particular day I find something in a pocket, I know it's going to be a good day. Every day that I find something, 
has been a good day as far as everything. And I'm thinking, well, it probably seemed like a good day because you found a liquid bottle of uh, LSD or whatever. I mean, <laughs> that's definitely going to brighten the day of any any cannibal I can think of. But I don't know. That was interesting. I it's it's like a perspective issue. If I was looking through pockets and I found a twenty dollar bill, that would automatically brighten up my day to the point that I would think that it was a good day overall. So I don't know if it's natural like superstition or if it's just a way that affects his perspective to where it seems like something true. Or is it something that's actually true? You did have a good day. You found a found a big bag of uh, quaaludes, the lemons, the good ones, the old ones, inside of a uh, inside of somebody's pocket. So I don't know, man. It's just all in how you look at it. But uh, that's about it. That's enough tales from the dig today. I'm a bit pressed, a bit pressed for time. Summer, summer just squishes the day into a few few useful hours for all of us just too much fun to be had but uh let's move into the final seg of the show and we will take it from there you've made it this far it's time the final segment the icy robot radio pop culture slash toy news slash other boring stuff informational moment all right it is me and we are here for for the final bit of the show what's it's been popping in the world of pop culture. Not so much movies, summer movies, things like that. It's a good time of the year. You know, they do halt most of the TV shows. You get weird summer replacements and you get some cool summer shows back. We talked about that a few few weeks ago. What am I watching? You know what? I, I started uh, binging, uh, and I hate to say binging. It seems seems so weird, but that's the only way to put it. We've been watching Veep. It's in, I believe, season six now, and we haven't seen even an episode, but I love Ju- Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and I don't I don't know why we haven't watched any. It's uh, kind of a mystery. I think that we just didn't get started when it started, and sometimes when that happens, you don't, you don't ever really get into it, but we're into it now. We have mowed for you, like, through the first few seasons in, in like, no time flat, which is, which is a lot of fun. It's a really funny show. I think that when you consider this show, which is, you know, in its sixth season and it's doing really well, and then you look at Seinfeld, which is considered by a lot of people to be the greatest sitcom of all the times, and I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with that. You can you can probably make a very strong argument that uh Louis Dreyfus is the GOAT of female TV comedy actresses. Sure, you know, you got your Lucille Balls and your Mary Tyler Moores, but Louis Dreyfus, dude, is is something. On this show, she's hilarious. And on, on Seinfeld, she was, she was, I don't know, man. She might have been the funniest one in the whole thing. Kramer got the most yucks. You know, George got some yucks. But Elaine was, she was the backbone. And she carried a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of that dumb show. I am, uh, I'm into local TV. I've always been into local TV. I like to see the local advertisements and... I don't know. The things that are happening the nearest to you are oftentimes the most important. And we we used to have a TV channel in, in my neck of the woods called TV50. I've talked about it a bunch of times. It was our Santa Rosa channel. Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Saturday night at 8 on KFTY. Television north of the gate. And it's, it's long gone, but... A recent startup, and when I mean recent, it's the 
past a few years, the reason Startup has brought local TV back to Santa Rosa, they they set a broadcast tower on the top of Jerusalem Tower, which is the tallest building in Santa Rosa, and it's not very tall at all. It's in the center of downtown, not the center. It's a it's a senior living facility. They they put a broadcast tower up there, and they started North Bay TV, which broadcasts a lot of sci-fi shows, things from things from Britain. It's it's cool, and I definitely appreciate it. They they had a Roku channel for a while, but that that seems to have shut off. But we don't get it here in Rincon Valley. Between Jerusalem Tower and us are a lot of hills and the TV signal doesn't reach over those hills and I recently found out that they were doing a creature feature show on the channel and this got me this got me way into it like I was getting to the point where I was actually considering putting a bigger TV antenna on my house to just to pick this up I'm I'm like a creature feature kind of dude I like these hosted monster movie shows Back when I was coming up in Illinois, we had the son of Sven Gulli, who may or may not still be around. I am unsure of that. There is somebody with like a similar name on Facebook. I don't know if it's the same cat. I don't know. It seems like seems like he would be, you know, aged out and gone by now, but I'm not sure. He would wear a top hat and he was all weird and would play dumb horror movies. I was I was way into the son of Sven Gulli when we lived back in Oakland and when we moved back to when we moved to California, not back to California. When we moved here, there was there was a dude Bob Wilkes, and he had Creature Feature, and he is he's the main dude known around this area. This guy Bob Wilkes, he was on from the seventies all the way through the nineties, and he's an institution. And the name of his show was Creature Features, so it seems like the genre is called Creature Features. But his show was you know the one that's actually called that, and. As far as anybody can tell, he originated this genre. I don't know. I'm not not an authority on this kind of thing. This is just this is what the local lore tells you. But this this startup North Bay TV started their own creature feature show, and I, w- I was dying to see it, and I wasn't able to because it didn't the signal didn't stretch out as far as Rincon Valley. But then recently the show got syndicated onto a much stronger local TV station, Coffee TV 20, out of San Francisco, and that's a channel we get. So I've been able to see this show every Saturday, and let me tell you, I love it. The idea is that the show is, it's broadcast from inside of a haunted mansion in Bodega Bay, with the host of the show being a an aged rock star who has since retired and now lives in this mansion with two other kooky kooks. The host of the show is named Vincent, Vincent Vandal, and then there is a butler type named Livingston. He just stands in the back and he looks scary. And then there is Tangela, Tangela, who is a very pale, very spooky looking girl with what appears to be a mop head on top of her as a wig. She she just giggles and appears to be like a maniac. Vincent, Vince does most of, if not all, he does all. I don't know why I said if or anything. He does... He does the interviewing, he's the host, and every week they have a guest, and and they'll play a movie. The other week, they had Tom Sizemore on the show. Like, they flew him in, and they played Night of the Living Dead, and talked to Tom Sizemore. It was, it was a lot of fun. They played some wacky, low-budget movies sometimes. Sometimes they played classic movies. It is a lot of fun, and... 
My favorite part, and this isn't to say the show isn't the favorite part. My favorite part is they have local commercials. They play a commercial for the uh, local comic store, not the one that I go to. They play one for the Santa Rosa Toy Con and for grocery stores. And it's great. It's it's like having my beloved TV 50 back, even though it's only for a few hours a week. But to be honest, these few hours a week have been more than enough to like really fill my nostalgia for that vibe. I've been watching every week and... They have a Facebook page that you can find. I put it in the show notes. I'll I'll post it on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com backslash I see robots. I'll paste it there and they put entire episodes of the show up on YouTube. So you can give it a check out and I'm sure I'm sure you'll think it's fun, especially if you're into that old school creature feature type stuff. Make sure to make sure to give that a check out. You can find that over on it is facebook.com backslash creature features three. The number three. That's that's their page. I I would go dig it because they got whole episodes up there, and that's fun. If you wanna if you wanna find us on Facebook, we're facebook.com backslash IC Robots as if as if you're looking at them I S E E Robots on Twitter. It's at IC Robots on Instagram. It's the same thing. Instagram's been that's been fun lately. So hop on over there and give that a look. I I've been posting episodes of a show I do on the side called Real Wisdom, where we take a look at uh, things you can learn from going to the movies, moral lessons you can learn from the world of cinema. That's a lot of fun. You can find those over on our on our Patreon page that is at supportthereport.com for as little as a dollar a month. You can help support the entire IC Robots radio network. We got Geekfest Rants. We got the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast. His episode last week was terrific with those Bennett Valley memories. That was that was good stuff. And then there's just there's a ton of other fun stuff. Audio Handbook of the Marvel Universe. You can't go wrong with the dumb old IC Robots radio network. So consider, consider giving us some support. Supportthereport.com. There is some premium content available over there. So I don't know, man. I think that's I think that's all the all the learning I got into me today to teach you about dumb stuff and things I think about. So I'm gonna sign off. This is me, IC Robots, episode number 120 of the Toys R Us Report, Tales from the Dig. If you don't know, now you know. Recorded live on Jupiter's moon, Callisto, this has been an IC Robots radio production.